Good morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, everybody. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good yes, praise you. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. And uh, we were in Cedar Beach, Houston today in Houston, Texas, and the ice storm has is coming to Houston, so all the churches are canceling. Uh, a lot of people in Texas think they're tough, but apparently they're not as tough as Alaskans. So, but anyway, the uh, services are all canceling in, in uh, East Texas. So, but it's good to be with you. Give honor to mom and dad, who I'm so thankful for all they've done in our life and all the the roots of truth that they put inside me and my brother. Give honor to them. Give honor to uh, to them for all their hard work. Uh, give honor to Brother Clay. I know you're going through a rough time yeah, right now. Yeah. I love you very much. And, yeah. I'm praying for you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. I give honor to my beautiful wife and my kids who are all in the house, and if you hear them making noise, I apologize. We, uh, this is where I, where I do it when I'm at home as far as uh, recording, so um, do our best here. But if you have your Bibles, Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 10 and 11. Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 10. Verse 11, happy for my brother and Naomi for the babies that are coming, baby boys. And I told them they should name them Joshua and Josh. I think that's a, that's a cool cool couple of names. I'm sure they won't, but I throw, throw, throw my suggestions at them anyway. Jer, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, popular scriptures here, verse 10 and 11 says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, to give you an expected end. I want to talk to you from the subject this morning. It's a question. I want to talk to you from the subject, am I in alignment with my assignment? Am I in alignment with my assignment? Lord Jesus, have your way, I pray, in Palmer. I pray that you'd anoint my lips and anoint the people. Let us be in one mind and one accord. Use me for your glory. Get me out of the way. Let there be a work of the Holy Ghost that only you can take and make happen. I give you the glory and the praise and the honor. I love you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. I've noticed that from the creation forward that God speaks from the end toward the beginning. Uh, he started every day of creation in the evening and then worked his way till the morning. So we, we kind of live in a society where we start in the morning and go toward the evening. And that's kind of how the world's always been. But in when it first started, God started from the evening and went to the morning. He speaks from the end back to the beginning. Bible says that he, know, he, he has thoughts about us, and those thoughts are to give us an expected end. When he thinks about us, he's thinking about the end of our life, the end of our family, the end of our, of our existence on this planet. And his thoughts about us are thoughts of peace to give us an expected end. Or in the Hebrew, that word expected end, or those two words, means the end that is hoped for. Kind of like in Hebrews when the Bible said faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. God's faith is truly to give the human being an expected end or an end 
that of things that are hoped for. So when God talks to you, and when God talks to me, he speaks from the end, not the beginning. And the reason why this is so important to understand is we, by nature as humans, try to filter the voice of God through our circumstance that we're currently in, not from the end. In other words, God is saying, I see what's going to happen today, and I see what's going to happen in five years from now, and he talks from our future, but we want God to talk to us about what's going on right now. So we try to filter the voice of God through our current dilemma and through our current circumstance, and therefore we try to control the conversation with God because we demand him to talk about what we're frustrated with or what we're upset about, or what we're going through, or what we're waiting on. And so we're telling God, we're waiting on God to give us a word, or we're waiting on God to give us the green light, or we're waiting on God to speak. And we wonder why it's silent so long. It's because God does not speak from the, end, from the beginning to the end, or from the current to the future, but God speaks from the end to the beginning, from the future to the current. And so therefore, we can't understand why he does not talk when we want him to talk. And if you're demanding that God talks to you about what you want to talk about, get ready for a period of silence from the voice of God, because God will not be controlled when it comes to conversing with a human being. There are two things that are essential when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Number one is you have to let God talk when he wants to talk, whether that's at four in the afternoon or four in the morning. And you have to let God talk about what he wants to talk about. There can't be any subjects that are off limits if you're really demanding to hear from God. You can't say, well, I'm only waiting to hear one thing. I'm only listening for one thing. I'm only listening for what I need him to do right now. If that's the case, you're not going to hear from God. God does not necessarily, uh, he cares about the situation, most definitely, but that does not mean he's going to be controlled by the dilemma. In other words, when you and I are going through something, sometimes the greatest thing we can hear is not something that, is con that connects with what we're going through, but connects with what we're going to in the future. God, in other words, God speaks from our destiny, not our dilemma. God speaks from our assignment, not our circumstance. Arise, go to Nineveh, Jonah, and preach the word of the Lord. I don't know what Jonah was talking about to God the day before, but I doubt it was, where are you going to send me tomorrow? But when God all of a sudden speaks to Jonah, he speaks from his destiny into Jonah's circumstance. It's kind of like Ezekiel in captivity, just wanting to be free. When God comes to speak to him, he doesn't speak about, about Ezekiel being free, but he comes and takes him into a boneyard and says, can these bones live? Ezekiel's going, what does this have to do with me being a prisoner? I have no idea. This has nothing to do with my current dilemma, but we serve a God that's not on lockdown with our circumstance, and sometimes we need to raise our vision to a higher dimension to see what he's talking to us about. When Samuel, who was an orphan, <clears throat> an orphan child in the temple, and lost his mom and dad, and she saw him, Hannah, his mom, saw him once a year. Uh, he's being raised by Eli, who can't even hear the voice of God, but Samuel is in the temple one night, and God comes down, and you know the story, Samuel, Samuel, 
Uh, he didn't say, Samuel, Samuel, this is why you're an orphan. Samuel, Samuel, this is why you live at the church. Samuel, Samuel, this is what you're going through. But he said, Samuel, Samuel, behold, I do a new thing in Israel. I've come to talk to you from your destiny, not your dilemma. Take off your shoes, Moses, you standing on holy ground. I'm not going to explain why you've been in a wilderness for 40 years. I'm not going to explain why you've had to go through such severe loneliness and rejection, but I am going to tell you from your destiny that you're going to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and destiny is going to take you farther than dilemma ever could. Somebody ought to ignore the dilemma and thank God for the destiny and say, I don't understand what's going on in my circumstance, but I sure thank God for the assignment that he has for my life. Dream, Joseph, dream. You might be living in a place where nobody loves you, but the dream doesn't care about the environment of hatred you're surrounded by. The dream demands that you would pay attention to the future despite what you're suffering through in the current. Is there anyone feeling what I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost right now, that what you're going through is real, but what you're going to is just as real? What you're going through is severe, but where you're headed is just as serious and just as powerful as the trial that you are in. Stop trying to filter the voice of God through your dilemma. Stop trying to make God talk to you about the petty problem of today when there's a powerful promise waiting in your tomorrow. Stop filtering his voice. Stop, well, if this, he, he's talking, he must mean this for right now. Yes, he cares about it, but he cares about where you end up more than where you currently are. I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. That's what we say. But God sees it as you're not where you're going to be, but you are where you are. I see where you're headed, and I'm, I want to thank you for trying to believe me when I'm silent. And I don't tell you every little, little detail of right now. But we are so consumed with the right now. We're so consumed with what's going wrong right now that sometimes we miss the voice of God, kind of like the lame man at the pool of Bethesda when Jesus said to him, uh, will you be made whole? And the lame man looked around and saw the people trying to get to the water. And he said, yeah, I want to be, but somebody's in front of me. Somebody cuts me off. You see, I've got this dilemma. Jesus didn't ask him about his dilemma. He asked him about his destiny. Do you want to be made whole? But the lame man was so focused on the dilemma that he missed the voice of God. Somebody ought to hear it right now. When you get so focused on the problem, you miss out on the promise. When you get so focused on how negative things are, you miss out on how positive things could be in the future. I've come to change your vision. I've come to realign your focus and remind you that God is a God of yesterday, today, and forever. But sometimes we forget that forever part because we're so consumed with right now and what happened yesterday. I've challenged you. Lift up your eyes beyond where you're at in your predicament and understand that there's a prophecy hanging over your future that must be held in check and must be held in a high focus and a high reverence. I want to talk to you this morning about the prophet Elijah. Uh, there's no better person, in my opinion, to preach this subject about than Elijah. Because when Elijah breaks onto the scene of your Bible, Elijah breaks on the scene in his assignment. He is connected to his destiny. He's operating at a high level. He's operating at the best level he can operate in. He's 
He is um, calling down, stopping the rain. He, he has power over the elements. He comes from nowhere into the pages of the word of God, stopping rain for three and one half years. He's, he's doing things nobody could do. He's raising people from the dead. No one in the history of the Bible had ever raised anyone from the dead until this point. But Elijah is operating in his assignment. And when you are in your assignment, you're fulfilled like you've never been before. When you're doing the ministry that God's called you to do and, and you're living the life God's called you to live, it's fulfilling. It's when you're settling for a low dimension. It's when you're uh, just trying to go to church, but you have no walk with God outside of church. It's, it's when, you, it's when you're, you dress holy at church, but not uh, the rest of the week. It's when you're trying to, to live for God halfway that you're the most frustrated and you're the most confused and you're the most worried and you're the, you're living at a lower level and you're always frustrated about what's going on right now. But when you get all the way in, when you say, God, I don't just want to be there. I want to be involved. I don't just want to show up and sit down, but I want to be engaged in what's going on. I'm not anointed to be a spectator. I'm anointed to participate Spectators become scoffers pretty quickly because that's the generation we live in. But when you say, I'm, I want to do my assignment, I don't think you filled me with the Holy Ghost to sit me on a chair and take up space. But I believe you anointed me to do something that no one else can do. There's someone you can win that no one else can win. There's somewhere you can go that no one else can go. Something you can do no one else can do. It's your assignment from your destiny. And so Elijah is fulfilling the assignment. He's walking in authority, walking in power. He's calling down the rain. He's calling down fire. He's uh, just doing dominant miracles. He's just, he's just the guy of the hour. He's the prophet of his day. Nobody messed with Elijah. If you did, you died because he was that anointed with God. And so hell understood that he was so connected to his assignment that they had to bring something just as powerful as his assignment in the form of adversity to distract him from his destiny. And let me tell you, if your assignment is powerful, your adversity will be powerful. If you've got a great open door, expect many adversaries. You've got something great God's going to use you in. You're going to get punched in the mouth more than once as you try to get to that place in God. And that's why some people just settle for the mundane and for mediocrity because they don't want to go fight the hell to get to the heaven. They don't want to fight the demon to see the angel. They don't want to fight the stress to get the breakthrough. And so Elijah, he's doing these great things, and Jezebel sends him a letter. And the letter says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to have you dead. I'm going to take your head off. Of course, she was lying. Of course, she did not have the power to do that. She had the power to send a threatening message, but not the power to follow through. And I need you to understand that when they threaten, they're not going to follow through. That's, the, that's something in Spiritual Warfare 101. If Satan has power to do something, he doesn't threaten it. He just does it. Just ask Job. If he's got the power to do something, he just does it. But if he does not have the power, the access to do it, he threatens it. And if you believe the threat, then you're paralyzed with fear. And so Elijah was paralyzed with fear. He leaves his assignment and he enters his circumstance. He leaves destiny and steps into dilemma. He leaves promise and steps into pity. And now he runs out into the wilderness, into the desert 
Some people say 45 miles. Some people say 90 miles. But the one thing all historians agree on, it was several miles that Elijah ran out into the desert. And he lays down under a juniper tree, a half-dead tree in the middle of a desert. There's this one little tree hanging on for life. And he gets underneath that tree and he says, oh, Lord, let me die. I'm no better than my fathers. Uh, I don't think he meant that prayer. Uh, I don't think he meant it at all, because if he really wanted to die, why is he trying to get shade? Why, why, if you're really wanting to die, why are you chilling under the tree? You should just face plant in the sand and say, I'm not getting up. It's over. But yet Elijah is trying to get shade while he's asking to die. Isn't it funny how sometimes our prayers and our actions don't match? They don't align uh, he's saying, I can't take anymore, but his spirit saying, I hope you have something for me. His words are, I can't take another day, but his spirit says, I hope I get revived this morning. Sometimes you come to church and you say, I just can't take it anymore, but your spirit is saying, I'm here hoping something happens because if you couldn't take it anymore, you wouldn't be at the house of God this morning. I know what your words, I know what your words are saying, but I also know your spirit disagrees with your flesh because your spirit is at the juniper tree in the desert. Your spirit saying, yeah, it's tough, but I think God put this here because he has a plan for me. That's why you can't miss church Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever because it's the juniper tree in your desert. It's that moment of a breakthrough. It's that moment of strength that comes to you in the middle of the war, in the middle of the, the weariness, in the middle of the exhaustive wilderness that you're in. And so Elijah under the tree, let me die. But he really didn't mean let me die. What he was saying was, come help me, God. Help me, I can't take any more. And so God sends an angel from heaven, and the angel comes down with this uh, anointing to cook. And the angel, first first angel to ever make angel's food cake right here. He, he, he makes Elijah, as he's sleeping, he makes him a cake on the fire, and he makes him, gets him a cruise or a bottle of water and wakes him up and says, arise and eat. Now, I want you to see something that's so powerful about God. Elijah, it's, it's, not, it's not that he cooked, it's what he cooked for Elijah. He made him a cake and a cruise of water, the exact same meal that a few uh, moments before, maybe weeks or year or months before, when he was in a dire situation, he came to a widow's house and and she had a little bit of meal in a barrel. And he said, make me a cake and bring me a cruise of water. And, and she brings him a cruise of water and a cake. And he said, all right, now, from this point forward until the famine's over, you're going to have meal in your barrel every day. And so what heaven was doing was heaven was reminding Elijah that I came through before and I'm coming through again. Sometimes you need to remember the God that came through yesterday when you're frustrated with the God of today. And he said, I, I want you to remember what I did for you. That's something powerful about Thanksgiving when you remember what the Lord has done for you. I want to also show you something that's very powerful here because God is providing for Elijah, but I want you to see something. I want you to put this in your spirit, okay? Protection and provision come hand in hand. If God protects you, it's a promise to provide. And if God provides for you, it's a promise to protect. What do you mean? Well, when Elijah is getting the provision, he's also getting the protection of God from Jezebel. It's chasing him. 
Kind of like when Samson, uh, he was going to fight the Philistines and, and he found the jawbone of a donkey and he took that jawbone up to, up to the Philistines and he killed a thousand men with that jawbone. Then, so he's, he's been protected by God. But then now he's thirsty, and so water comes out of the jawbone, and the same God that protects with the jawbone provides with the jawbone. And so when God provides something, he's signaling to you he's going to protect you as well. And when God protects something, he's signaling he's going to provide for you as well. And you ought to thank the Lord. If the car missed you coming through the intersection, it's not a God that just protected you. You ought to thank God for the bill being paid as well. Akashata. If the bill's getting paid, you ought to thank God for the protection as you're going down the icy highway. Because there is a God in heaven that if he protects, he plans on providing. And if he provides, he plans on protecting. I feel like taking a praise break right here in the living room. Somebody ought to stand to your feet and clap your hands and palmer and just thank the Lord. I can't see you. All I can see is my face on my phone. But if you hear me, why don't you respond in the spirit? And would you shout unto God for his provision and for his protection? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He's a God that protects. He's a God that provides. He's a God that comes through. He's a God that guides you. And he's a God that guards you. He's a God that knows where you're at and a God that knows what you need. And I'm thankful for his mercy and I'm thankful for his grace and I'm thankful for his kindness and his compassion and his love. And so Elijah eats part of the food. He sits down, eats part of the cake, drinks some of the water and lays down and goes back to sleep. It's just shocking i don't understand this part of the story i just got to be honest with you if there is a massive angel standing in front of me that just cooked me food and said you're going to eat this dude uh i'm eating it <laughs> uh, one angel killed 185,000 soldiers in one night so if an angel said eat uh, yes sir i'm going to eat some people think they command angels that's funny to me you don't command any angels the bible says the angels of the lord are given charge over you so if you think you're commanding them you're early just talking to the air and making a fool of yourself you can pray for them to move but anyway another subject for another time anyway as god is telling through the angel elijah's time to eat elijah says well uh, all right i'll eat some of it and then he lays down and goes to sleep how do you go to sleep with an angel standing in, it's not like you can't see him, you think he's there, he's standing right, you're really going to go to sleep, bro, I mean, I'm right here, and yet, yet, the, and yet Elijah is so frustrated with the dilemma, and with the circumstance that he's ignoring the visitation from God, be careful, I want to say this, I've never thought of this, it just hit me, be careful about ignoring breakthrough church services, just because you're not getting what you want outside the church service. Be careful when there's visitations from God in the atmosphere and you just are so focused on, is this bill going to get paid? Is this kid going to pray through? Is this situation going to work out? Am I going to get that job or not? Be careful when there's a divine visitation not to miss it through a current situation. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't miss the divine visitation through the focus being on the current situation. And Elijah, Elijah said, forget it. I'm going back to sleep. And apparently the angel didn't stay around for Elijah's nap because the Bible said 
that God sent the angel back, which means the angel had to fly all the way back to heaven. That's a pretty far flight and come all the way back to earth. I'm sure the angel's a little ticked off. You ignored uh, my, you didn't eat the food I made. You fell asleep right in front of me. I had to go back to heaven. I had to, that was not bad, but now I had to come back again to see you. And, you know, I know how you are. You're the rude guy that doesn't care what people think. And, and so he said, uh, Elijah, um, arise and eat. And, I, and, and it's so funny to me. I asked the Lord one time, why did you send the angel the second time? I get sending him the first time, but Elijah was so rude. You just could have ignored him, but you sent him a second time. And the Lord, I, I, if I've ever heard God, I heard it. He said, I would have sent him at least seven times. And I said, what do you mean at least seven times? He said, there was a time when, I, when Elijah wanted to see rain. And there was no sign the first time or the second time he sent his servant. So he sent his servant seven times. And he said that ser servant went seven times. And finally, after the seventh time, there was a cloud like a man's hand. And he said, you'll never outchase me, and you'll never out-sacrifice, and you'll never outgive me. And so I would have sent the angel over and over because there was a time when Elijah pursued me over and over. And if there's ever a time when you pursued God, God's going to pursue you when you're down and when you're discouraged. Somebody ought to hear the word of the Lord. He's chasing you right now while you're wanting to quit. He's chasing you while you want to throw in the towel. He's chasing you when you're wanting to walk away because there was a time you prayed all night. There was a time you fasted. There was a time you gave everything. There was a time when you were all in, and now he's chasing you to get you back all in. And so the angel said, arise and eat. But then the angel adds another statement to it. I want you to, I said all that to preach this to you right here. The angel said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for thee. <laughs> the future, not, not, not arise and eat because you're being chased by your past. Not arise and eat because it's hot here in the desert. You need strength for the right now. But arise and eat because you're headed somewhere. God said, I'm ignoring your dilemma because I'm speaking from your destiny. I'm ignoring your uh, circumstance because I'm focused on your assignment. Are you in alignment with what God's going to do in your life? Or are you in alignment with what you want done right now? And he said, I want you to eat because the journey is too great for thee. Something's coming. But Elijah, even though that was powerful, Elijah goes on a 40-day fast. He's, he goes into this uh, uh, consecration time, but yet he's so consumed with the details of the dilemma that he takes his 40-day fast into a cave of depression. Let me just talk to you for a second. You can get into a place where you consecrate yourself into a cave if you have to know the details of the dilemma. If you have to know the details of every time how God's going to move and what God's going to do, and here's how God's going to do it. If you have to have details, you'll consecrate yourself into a cave. Some people are truly consecrated and they're truly depressed. They're truly uh, spiritual and they're truly discouraged. And the reason is, is they're living a life trying to please God, but they're trying to please God for information. I, I want to know what's going to happen. I'm doing this because I want to know every detail, and that kind of consecration takes you to darkness. That kind of focus takes you into the cave, and Elijah goes into the cave, and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, 
what doest thou here? That didn't get Elijah's attention, so the Lord came by. The Bible said he came by, and there was a wind, and, and the Lord was not in the wind, and there was an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake, and there was fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And then a still, small voice. Uh, up until this point, Palmer, uh, Elijah has never heard the voice of God. Read it. Every time God talks to him, it's the word of the Lord or, or the unction of the word of God coming to his spirit. And then so when God, when the word came to him, what doest thou here? It didn't get to Elijah. And then when the elements started acting up, the wind, the earthquake, fire, that didn't get to him. And the reason is because he was used to elements acting up. He was used to fire falling and rain stopping and rain falling and crazy stuff in the atmosphere. That didn't get to him. But what he was never used to was hearing the audible voice of God. And the voice of God said, what doest thou here? In other words, I've come to speak from your assignment, not from your uh situation. I've come to speak from the future about what you're called to do, not the cave that you're trying to live in. And so Elijah said, what do you mean? And God said, go anoint this guy to be the king. Go anoint this guy to be the captain. Go anoint this guy to be uh, the prophet in your, in your place one day. These guys are going to do great things for the Lord, for the Lord, but this world changing anointing is resting with you inside the cave while you wait on details about your Jezebel. While you wait on details about your situation, there's a God seeing the end from the beginning. And he's asking you, are you in alignment with what I've called you to be? Are you going to do the thing I've called you to do? Or do I need to look elsewhere to find somebody who's not just going to go to church and just sit there and be begged to be involved but someone is going to say what can i do how can i be a help to my pastor how can i strengthen the man of god how can i be a voice of uh, strength and a friend and, a, and and submitted how can i be what he needs me to be or or you're going to be begged to get right you're going to be begged to get all the way in beg to get to get everything lined up does god have to beg you to pay your tithe i don't know i'm, I'm not looking at anybody but me on the screen so i don't know does god have to beg you to to get faithful in your giving does god have to beg you to get right when it comes to being submitted does god have to beg you uh to get all the way involved in the church are you skipping two out of three services are you missing every time a kid coughs are you skipping every chance you get to to, to 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 have other things because you're focused on the circumstance and not the assignment is there a neighbor you're supposed to be winning is there a family member you're supposed to be inviting is there a bible study you're supposed to be teaching is there someone you're supposed to be winning or are you just focused on why you can't have a job or why you can't have what you're asking for I don't know. Maybe I'm not preaching to anybody, but I'm asking somebody right now, are you in alignment with your assignment? Are you in alignment with the revival God has for you personally, not just corporately? Corporately, your church is going to explode. There's going to be great harvest and a great future. But are you going to be a part of that future or are you going to be a part of the problem? Are you going to be the one that lifts your eyes off the dilemma and says, let's go, let's do this? How can I be involved, Pastor? What can I do to, to help you? Or are you going to be the one that's going to say, I hope he calls. I'm going to skip church tonight 
and I'm going to see if he calls me in the next three days. I'm going to wait by the phone to see if I'm really important, or I'm going to wait by the phone to see if I, if they really care about me. Uh, if that's your spirit, that's that focusing on the dilemma spirit. But I've come to speak from your destiny. I've come to speak from the future you that there's something great you're supposed to do for God. And, it's, and the Lord doesn't want you to blend in and just sit there and be nothing. But the Lord wants you to be what you can be. Why don't you stand to your feet and raise your hands and worship the Lord? And I just tell you, if you just if you if you settle for mediocrity, if the because you were trying to do something great and it didn't work out, the people that hated you while you were soaring will hate you while you're sitting. The people that that didn't like you when you were trying to fly won't like you when you're trying to fit in but can i tell you in the holy ghost if they're not going to like you when you're sitting you might as well soar if they're not going to like you fitting in you might as well fly might as well do something for god might as well go big or go home might as well try something you've never tried might as well step out of the boat peter and see what the water feels like underneath your feet not above your feet there's something powerful about saying my assignment is calling. I, I've been I've been living at this level too long, but destiny is saying breathe, and destiny is saying dream, and destiny is saying consecrate and pray, because something's coming. I've been in a prison, but my dream is coming to pass in the palace, Joseph. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. I've been in the wilderness for 40 years, God, but I believe a burning bush can anoint me with such a fire that I go challenge the king of the world and say, let my people go. I've got an anointing and I've got an assignment. Yes, I've got a circumstance and yes, I've got a problem, but I'm not going to focus my attention on the negative. I'm going to focus on what the Lord has for me. Would you worship the Lord right now? Would you magnify the Lord? Would you get connected to your destiny? Would you go big? Would you reach for something beyond the mundane? Hey, Would you reach for something beyond God. being average and being ordinary? Would you make up your mind corporately? Let's be the greatest church this state has ever had. Not just this Come area, on. not just this hilltop, Come on. not just this city, but let's be the greatest church this state Come to on. be known for. Let's let's do something this church this state has never seen. Let's do something. It causes revival to explode in such a way. Come on, Abraham. He yeah, might Lord. be in the desert, but he made the Jesus desert the name. center of the world. The desert became Israel. It was just an open land. But when Abraham stepped into it, assignment took over. An assignment caused Abraham to turn a desert into what eventually became an Israel. Oh. And still thousands of years later, it's the center of every battle. It's the center Hallelujah. of every war because there was a child of God Hallelujah. that said, I'm not going to be average. And I'm Hallelujah. not going to be ordinary. I'm going to step out of the box. And I'm going to obey God yes, with all Lord. that I have. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Pastor, oh, go Lord. ahead. Go Lord. ahead and take it. I can't see anybody, but go ahead and take it. And why don't you worship the Lord? And why don't you check your spirit? Thank what you, can Lord. the Lord do in your life? What can Glory. the Lord become Come on, in folks. Your life? Anybody want to pray today? Young, old, men, women. Come on, folks.